I V M. Parsis as a community are a key part of the Mumbai identity. And almost all tourists visiting the city are told about our famous weddings and of course the famous Britannia cafe. Most don't know much about us beyond that however. Is our food Persian? Do we really not eat vegetables? What is dhansak really? Are just some of the questions I've answered in my years being the Bavi bride. The only way to get answers to these is to take a deep dive into Parsi culture and customs. New age food experiences like food walks, home dining, cooking classes are doing just that and have been a savior for regional cuisines like ours. And so today on the show I have two such ladies, Roxanne Bambot and Maruk Mogrelia. Roxanne is a travel blogger who conducts a range of food and history walks with tourists, while Maruk hosts Parsi dining experiences at homes and in hotels. Together, we talk about the role these new age experiences are playing in shining a light on Parsi food. what goes into hosting a successful luncheon or food walk and also the best places in the city to score some bonu this is not just dhansak and now let's chat with roxan and maruk so hi roxan hi maruk thank you for making the time to be here thank you for having us yes great so um let's just get started um roxan can you share some of your earliest memories around food especially around eating or cooking parsi food Um I would have to say my earliest memories um have to be of the family just desperately trying to shovel food down my throat as a <laughs> child um but a lot of it was my grandmother's cooking my bapai ji who's actually my mamai ji but we called her bapai ji thanks to my cousins um and just wonderful memories of dal chawal like she made the best uh, dandar you know yep. regular every parsi has that and fried fish and keema she would make lovely keema and cutlets for me So lots of fun memories um was running around the house waiting for Papaji's food to be ready and then I could just enjoy. Okay. And uh, Maruk what about you what are your earliest I memories? I have got a very vivid memory at age of 7 I had cooked a full meal of dandar wow. because yeah because uh, all the ladies of the house were either charming and uh, even my mother was busy with uh, taking care of her mother who had an attack. So there was nobody in the house and our how ancestral houses like it is on the you can say the stoves are very high okay. so i had to practically take a help of the stool i have to climb up the stool and wow. cook a small meal a very simple meal of dandar so i have a very very uh, strong you can say memory or um, wow roxan what it. were you doing when you were 7 i was running around uh, <laughs> you know in little shorts and my sadra and kasti yeah. uh, waiting to be fed <laughs> i had no interest whatsoever in the kitchen or mm. cooking or anything at that age i was just a very happy and a very tiny eater okay And uh, you know, Parsis are all about the tradition. So, Maruk, did you have any like set Sunday meal at your of house? Of course, of course. It was uh, very much a celebration. You can say when the men of the house, we, like my father, uh, he used to go for the market and he used to get everything from the market, right from the meat to fish, and uh, like first the with the beer, we would have the fried liver, oh, and then nice. it was definitely a dhanshak, either accompanied with the fried fish or the kebabs. Oh wow. So it was a memorable Sundays. And what about you Roxanne? Um I can't really remember exactly but I do know that Sunday was a uh, an elaborate and extravagant meal um 
my grandmother would go all out. Uh, Mum and dad would also want to have a nice lazy meal. But I do know that now, uh, say in the last decade or so, Sunday has been reserved for curry day. And yeah, I was just yeah. going to say because you're one of the that's one of the oddest things I noticed when I started following you on social media is like everyone's having dhansak but Roxanne's yes. family is having yes. curry. curry. So I am uh, and this is going to sound terrible I am not a dhansak fan at <gasps> all. Yes, I know. Uh, I've been accused of being a fraud Parsi. Um, but we love curry. I mean, they like dhansak but you know, I, I'm not having it on Sunday and somehow it's just evolved into curry day and uh, we're partial we're, I mean, we're impartial to all curries. We don't mind chicken, fish, egg, vegetables. It's okay as long as it's curry. Okay. So that's become a tradition. Great. So, I mean, that's a great way of starting a new tradition. Yeah. And it's a delicious one. So no one's complaining. <laughs> yeah. So I actually got the two of you here together because even though I also do catering, for me, the most uh, rewarding part of my business is actually, um, you know, meeting new people, talking to them about the Parsi heritage, the culture, Same food. Year. You know, and uh, so I used to do, um, I used to do food walks like what you've started doing yeah. and food experiences. Yeah. And I've also done home dining, like is what Maruk does as well. So while I love both, um, I also do cooking classes, which is for me, my sweet spot. Um, so yeah, I think today's show, which is all about like the Parsi experiences is yeah. um, just, you know, like a very novel thing, which has just recently come up in the past three or four years. I don't think anyone would have thought about that's inviting so strangers right. into their home before that yeah? yeah yes so anyways let's uh start before that Roxanne can you tell us a little bit about how you got into becoming a travel blogger so um I actually started out as a food blogger um the name is the tiny taster so tiny because I'm just about five feet tall and taster because at that time I had no interest in cooking at all mm. I was just happy to eat and I'm happy to say I've come a long way from that and I always wanted to do travel and I think food and travel sort of goes hand in hand. So that happened very organically. Uh, I think within less than a year of starting a blog, I started a travel section and it's just taken off. I'm very grateful. There's been an audience who connects, who likes what I have to say, who wants to eat what I'm eating, trusts my taste, wants to travel with me. Um, and that's also sort of now led to other things. So I do a lot offline as well. So whether it's hosting events, whether it's curating events. Uh, and now I am curating my own food walks. I'm curating general walks within the city. And I'm also very proud to say that I have just launched my own international travel tours. Yes. So I, that's I read that and that's just pretty amazing. Like yeah. the evolution from being yeah. a food blogger to, uh, you know, starting your own international uh, yeah. tour. I mean, I feel like I'm a pseudo travel agent because my DMs are full of messages like, how do I go here and which hotel should I book and how is your experience? So I feel like instead of doing it on the sly, let's just do it out in the open and um, you can travel with me. Yeah, of course. So, and so what's the most uh, fun part about traveling for you? Like for me, it's always the food. Like I book, I first check out yeah. everywhere <laughs> where I'm going to eat. And then the hotel is booked based yeah. on like the closest proximity to the eating stuff. So I have to agree with that. Um, my sister and I always have this rule of booking uh, accommodation that's somewhere city central, not for anything else, but that because there'll always be food mm. areas around that we can just grab a snack at, even if we're hungry at odd hours in the morning. But um, I think the most exciting for me is just discovery, you know, to, to have different experiences. And yes, food plays a very big role in that. It's an integral part of my whole experience. 
I do book food tours. I, I have done a fair amount of research. But I have to say that when I'm traveling, it's it's everything. It's like meeting new people, looking at a different culture, looking at a different city, um, just habits. Uh, I find people fascinating. Um, and therefore, it's very interesting for me to see how different people react in different parts of the world. So different and strange yep. sometimes from what you are used to. And I think, I honestly think if people traveled more, we'd be more compassionate, we'd be more educated, we'd be more intellectual, we'd question things and we'd learn to, you know, sort of be a bit more tolerant. Yeah, more tolerant, live peacefully and happier. So I I, I hope uh, that I managed to encourage people to travel a little bit. Yes, of course. So we'll get back to you. So Maruk, can you tell us a little bit about how you got started um, with your home dining experiences? How did the journey begin? So thanks to a smartphone, it just started when my leisure in my parlor, I own a parlor. I just have got to know what is your passion. A title came, what is your passion? And just I wrote, I wrote it is cooking. So again, it came, uh, what? So I, I say I specialize in Parsi thing. And it is just how it started. Oh, wow. The company shut down, but I'm still this doing was, it. This um, was Tricurious, right? Yeah, that it you was Tricurious in 2015. Yeah. 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 I and remember Tricurious because yeah. that's with so, whom I started doing the home yes, dining experiences yes. as well. Yeah. So this is how it started. And now I'm doing on my own also. I'm open with all the companies. Okay. And I'm entertaining the, uh, what to say, NRI Clients okay. also, the foreign clients also. So how often do you do your home It all, all depends. The company gives me whenever. Hmm. And uh, on say, Sundays, definitely I have my own lunch pop-ups. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. So almost every weekend is yeah. something that you're doing. Yes. Wow, that's... And they're fabulous. I've actually been uh, <laughs> to quite a few of the Sunday <laughs> lunch pop-ups. Yeah. Advantage uh, of staying close to my Yeah, <laughs> and, and knowing her. So I can vouch for that. It's been fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. So were you, I mean, when you started, when they first approached you, were you like quite nervous of having strangers dining in your house? No, on the contrary, I was very comfortable because I love to meet people. And mm. even in the parlor... Every five minutes, you are you are facing a stranger yeah. who comes and sit on your chair. Yeah. So I was very much comfortable about it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, what about your, um, you know, like the family you stay with? Did they in have fact, any they thoughts about it? They were very cooperative. Oh, wow. My mother-in-law was so so enthusiastic regarding that. <laughs> After every meal or every pop-up, she will tell me who came, who came, <laughs> what happened. Okay. You know, all the reactions. Oh, nice. So, That's sweet. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I what's was, the maximum number of people you've hosted in your house? From 2025. Wow. Most. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's pretty amazing. And um, how would you say, like, your very first experience was to how it is now? Like, like were you really nervous when you started, when you no, did no. that first meal? No, no, no. No? Yeah. Regarding the cooking part, I no. was never nervous because, mm. in fact, I have co- uh, cooked for more than 100 people. Oh, wow. I have cooked for like uh, 60 people also one time, and one time it was more than 100. Okay. Like, all by yourself? All by myself. All wow. by myself. Let me and tell you because. Doing, in, and we are, Roxanne and me are doing Insta stories <laughs> while cooking for three people. So, <laughs> so uh, for me, it was, I was never. From okay. the confident level of like cooking, yeah. I was but a little bit hesitant, like who will come. That yeah. otherwise, in terms of like how will you create that atmosphere yes. and get people. But let me tell you, the food brings and like uh, food brings the people so closer. Like uh, just you open the door and it is like meeting a good friend. Yeah, yeah. 
I agree. I mean, food is just such a great uniter. Yes, I've had yeah, those absolutely. same yeah. um, experiences when I've had people at my house, you know, complete strangers, strangers. coming in when I do these cooking classes. Um, don't know anything about them but you know someone like I recently did one where she came from Wales and she actually gifted me like a Welsh cookbook oh that's so sweet and uh, you know and she was like no I can just can I borrow look- it yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's about tea cakes and scones so yes I, I, I'll take it <laughs> <laughs> but I mean it was just amazing because it was like cooking with a friend Free, as compared yeah. to um, you know right. it being something about a client or yeah. something like that and you know just getting those emails afterwards like oh I cook this thing in my yes, house and yeah. they loved it it's just um, oh that's an excellent reward we get yeah exactly yeah, yeah. so Roxanne tell us a little bit about um, you know why food walks uh, like I mean what do you feel what's the benefit of doing a food walk uh, I mean you know why can't people just refer to like a lonely planet book or something like that so while there's nothing wrong with referring to a lonely planet book or um, you know websites blogs whatever it is that you research with um I think that a food walk is an experience. It's not your regular tour where you just, you know, someone takes you in a car or a bus and plonks you here and says, oh, look, that's a fish. That's Bombay duck. That's what it is. And then, you know, takes yeah. you on to the next thing. I think there are layers to that. I actually have done some fabulous food walks when I traveled. And um, a friend of mine took me on possibly the best food walk I've ever done in uh, Porto, which is in Portugal. It's a lovely town there. And it just inspired me. And I said, oh, my God, this is how you should see a city. It's not just through its history. There's so many layers and food connects so much. And there's so much and history. food actually tells you so much about the history of exactly. the place without there's, you having to go to a church or something like that. Exactly. Well. There's so much history just within the food. And I've now I've lived in Bombay my entire life. Um I was born here, I went to school here, I went to college here, and it doesn't look like I'm leaving anytime <laughs> soon. Um, and there's a great uh, love for where you've grown up and, and what is home. And there's also a, a, a need or a I feel like people need to look at the city in a different light. And when it comes to food, I mean, this is, you know, this is the melting pot for the country, so to speak. There's so many influences. Yeah. You know, I mean, forget international cuisine. Just look at regional Indian cuisine. You've got, you know, Gujarati thalis. You've got Parsi food. You've got Bori food. You've got all sorts of things. And people, Yeah. And people don't know about it. Yeah. You know, there's no, there's not much pride in that. And I feel like food walks are the best way to walk around, to show people a different side and it's always fun when you're with a local because you get a very different insight. Uh, and when you're with me, especially, um, and not all my walks are food oriented, but most of them are. or They always have a food element in it. You you sort of understand or look at the city the way I see it. Yeah. Um, and I want to show you a very different picture from what a Lonely Planet or any National Geographic or any other guidebook will show you. Yeah. And I think um, it's an experience people should look more towards uh, you know indulging in and Maruk have you found that um, do you get and also you Roxanne do you get more locals coming to this or is it more uh, foreigners who are attracted uh, more tourist kind of people who are attracted to these experiences for me it is both like but definitely more international clients are there because they are very much keen but now I see the trend is changing now even the local people are quite interested to know what is happening in your area yeah yeah I have to agree Uh, initially it's always uh, tourists that want to come and look at things 
um, but there's a huge interest um, just within yes. people living in the city. And uh, I always, so I do a lot of these um, during the Kalagoda festival. We've done quite a few. And that's where I realize how much interest there is with just people that live in and around the area or probably in another city. So I think it's a good mix of both. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so most people, when you have tourists coming, most people like to take them to Fort to experience food. I I presume it's because, you know, the roads are open and it's easier. Things are closer together. It's also like, it's got a huge variety and of the food that's kind like, of there. And uh, it is like a surrounded with history also. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. and most, yeah. most people stay over there in terms of like the ho- uh, proximity to the hotels as well. But um, where do you, if you had to take someone to experience Parsi food, where do you take them? So, you know, the thing is, uh, with Fort, it's not just because of the hotel proximity. I mean, you've got people that like to stay near the airport also. You know, if you've got one day yeah. in the city, uh, more, like you, like most people anywhere in the world, you'd book an accommodation close to the airport. Unfortunately for us, you know, it's, hmm. it's uh, where all the action is or where all the excitement is, is the other side of the city. So, yes, definitely Fort is a huge part of it. And especially if I'm doing a Parsi walk, I like to talk about Irani cafes and things like that. And most of them tend to be South Bombay driven. So if not Fort, then it would be like somewhere between Marine Lines or Grant Road. And then what happens is Fort becomes or South Bombay, I would say, becomes convenient because otherwise it's very fragmented. Um, So if I'm doing a walk that's only Parsi geared, it's still a bit fragmented because there are parts of it that I want to showcase that are, you know, one, I mean, just geographically, if you're not from Bombay and you don't understand, it's still a bit, but say 15, 20 minutes away yeah. from each other, you know, point A and point B. Yeah. And they're both equally important. So I don't want to take it off. So it becomes a little tricky. And that's an important part of structuring a food it walk. Is. Because yes, you yes. don't want people walking for too long between yes. between their meals. Exactly. Um, and especially in a place like Bombay, where you With can't walk in one line if you have about eight to ten people as well. Yeah. Um, like I recent, I mean, when I've taken travelers and we generally, I make them cross the Grand Road Bridge. Yeah. <laughs> now, like just crossing that, like half the time I'm just like, oh my God, I must have lost like yeah. a person yeah. or yeah. a child or whatever, yeah. you know. And also it's the heat and the weather and the traffic and... Let's be honest, it's not like there are clean pavements or, mm. or you know, I mean, there's the half of them are like dug up or there's yeah. a scooter parked somewhere. It's so all th- part of the atmosphere. It is. <laughs> it is. It, but it really is. And, and, and it is part of its charm. But the point is that there are some roadblocks that you have to work around. So mm. by that definition, the South Bombay Fort, Kalagoda, um, even some parts of Kalaba become convenient. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that they're only restricted to that. I mean, you have to come on a walk uh, to really know no. what I'm talking about. Yeah, subtle, not so not subtle. <laughs> so, um, for you, Maruk, yeah. um, you know your home dining experiences feature some unique food like uh, a prawn akuri, which I've never tasted. I, oh, I really want. To, I really want to have a prawn akuri now. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and uh, you know you also created a signature dish called the Circle of Life. Yes. So, um. Can you first just tell us a little bit about this amazing dish called Circle of Life? <laughs> Circle of Life, normally my cooking is all based on the Parsi thing. Hmm. So now I have created this dish specially for the Navros. Hmm. And Navros means we are starting our new year. Yeah. So it is with the 12, 12 uh, what to say, the leg uh, drumsticks. Oh, okay. Yeah, and everything. And definitely I will be... Uh, putting across this recipe or the, how I do it 
later hmm. when I I want to do something more to uh, towards it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's mainly I, a chicken dish. It's a chicken dish. It has meat also into it. It has got vegetables also into it. Okay. It's, wow. Yeah. That's that's yeah. quite it's a combination. Sounds like a feast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is a feast in itself. The plate itself is a big feast. So, um, I mean, of course. So part of the thing is that people come to your house because yes. they want to learn about your history and your culture, culture and yeah. um, but they also want to l- know about how you cook this food. So would you um, ever share your recipes? Of course, with all my travelers and whoever have come to my for my cooking hmm. classes, have yeah. been I always give them a Xerox copy of the full. Recipe. Oh, how nice! Yeah, every yeah. all recipes are open. Yeah. In fact, on you can see on my page also, yeah. Maruk's Kitchen page, all the recipes are mentioned. That's really nice. I mean, because so, what are your thoughts on secret recipes? No, by the way, there is no? there is no secret. Yeah. Like when we, you have to cook, you have to cook in your own home. So why not? I give you the authentic recipe yeah. where you can cook it so well and appreciate my thing. Exactly. And I just feel that because now you have the recipe doesn't mean that you will not order from that person. Because, I mean, you would order no, from someone when you want to order. And I, if you want to cook yeah. it yourself, you will cook it. And yeah. I don't think so, Kate, is like that way. Because exactly. I always believe that the, the person who is cooking has his own pinch. Yeah. I was just going to say that. I mean, yeah. you know, you can replicate a recipe, but yeah. depends on where you are, the spices that you uh, use. Sepi, a recipe has its own soul. Yeah. yeah. See. Yeah, so and it just it just so depends on how you cook it. Also, how you're feeling on the day that you cook oh, it. Oh, So I've had and <laughs> I've had the same recipe and it'll work amazing on one day, and then the the other day, if I'm in like a bad mood yeah. or something like that, it'll just not. And come even the together. ingredients, ingredients yeah. like the meat which you use, the chicken yeah. which you use, that also makes a major difference. I have seen it. Even yeah. the roast, like I am giving the simple recipe, they say that it, it never comes out. I am just surprised how it doesn't come out. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, the ingredients play how a huge you, part. How, how you cook also. Yeah. Like we uh, we ch- tell them, ki, you know, you roast it so properly until you get a nice white meat. Hmm. And people uh, make a shortcut out of it. Yeah. yeah. So then you don't have to like, you know, tell me. Get the, recipe. the chef. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then it's not my recipe. It's yeah. your recipe. Yes. <laughs> you have taken shortcuts. Yeah. So yeah. I always get that on my on my blog. Someone had yes. uh, recently made a chocolate fudge and then they commented. They said, but we, but I added mava. I didn't add the butter. I didn't, uh, I put it in the fridge even though you told me not yeah. to put it in the fridge. <laughs> but now the butter separated. So what do I do? And I'm like, but you've not followed the recipe. So like, oh, I yeah. don't know what to do because I have no idea what you did in your house. <laughs> so, um, but yeah. And now I'm giving the recipe of the Kerry uh, Kandama goes and the people are asking me, uh, give me a, uh, is it Ampanna? <laughs> <laughs> it is very rare. Right now, recently it happened. So mm. I'm, I'm thinking, what, what they are talking about? What is Ampanna going to do with <laughs> To do with the gosh which I have mentioned. <laughs> you should say it is non-veg ampanna. I was just going to say that. Can you imagine ampanna with chunks of meat? <laughs> you need to do a food food walk to Maruk's yeah. house. <laughs> the unusual Parsi dishes. Yeah. So Maruk, you recently also went to Kolkata for yes. a Parsi food festival. Yeah. So can you share, uh, I mean, your experience in terms of going there? How was it cooking in a five-star kitchen as compared to your home kitchen? It was a great thing because I have got the best of the chefs behind Mm. me taking my orders. So I was feeling like a leader. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I had a great time. Okay. Yeah. And it was like a challenge to cook within that particular time for the thousand people. Wow. So was it, uh, can you tell us a little bit about the kind of food you did there? It was, uh, first it was like a... uh, 
what to say practically a full patra meal okay how we have it with but that. was it as part of a buffet or it was it was a, a part down? of a buffet okay it was a part of a buffet definitely okay yeah and so we had to uh, do the live counters also we have to give a starters also yeah. it was a good good thing good, good experience and how many dishes did you cook for the festival all for parsi with the dish the whole, i can think like the whole part i can oh, okay. think of oh wow <laughs> and, that's a lot uh, yeah so for me it was a like you know i have to cook this i have to do this so yeah. it was a great thing okay. like and how that. many days did the festival it go was for? for 10 days oh 10 wow. days wow so and we had the four rotational meals yeah yeah it was a four rotational meals okay okay yeah. so four things that you just kept yes. repeating okay yeah. 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 but that's still a lot because in each service i think you have and to do like seven the, or eight things yeah, right and yeah. you can say that for the last four days the come the what to say the chefs the executive chef told me that you just have to make sure that there is a dhanshak there hmm. and there is a pulao dal there hmm. your jaddalu mutton is there hmm. your roast chicken is there besides you cook whatever you want yeah. so this has to be there so i had done a similar food festival which yeah. was my very first in marriott and it was just such a huge uh, learning experience yeah. for me um also in terms of um what works how much you how much you um like not in a buffet how much do you cook when yes. you have like seven other yeah. cuisines that are there yeah. but the biggest learning was actually for the married people because we did it on <laughs> on parsi new year uh, and uh, so they told me in the afternoon that the restaurant is fully booked so it's about 300 covers it's fully booked you please make sure that there's enough uh, prep right and knowing how par- and because it was parsi new year most of the bookings were parsis so knowing how parsis eat i had already uh, you know like for 300 people i had prepped 600 pomfrets hmm. like that's I, a, i already know that's not enough <laughs> <laughs> so we had that i mean and and just the patrani machi was just one thing of like a 35 dish uh, buffet yeah, yeah. including uh, things and stuff like that and uh, basically we just steamed and steamed and it was just not enough i had cooked like some 35 liter cooker of dhansak and that was like it was big enough for like someone to step inside and like, like have a bath like have a bath in the dhansak and i was just like oh my god i i don't i think i kind of overdid it but at the end <laughs> of the night the whole cooker was empty all yes. the fish was gone they had to call the pastry chef back uh from his shift so they called the poor guy back at 9 o'clock because we had finished all the desserts for uh, that meal and the next meal <laughs> so they had no desserts for like breakfast the next day so the poor pastry guy had to come back to uh do a overnight shift <laughs> make pastries so now they know what yeah, so now, we are <laughs> so and so the guy was the the executive chef was just like how much do you guys eat <laughs> and i was like i told you that none of the food will go waste <laughs> But yeah, it was just like a a huge right. um, learning experience. Yeah. But you know, I'm, I have to say, I'm so glad that um, hotels and commercial, you know, restaurants and eateries are really looking at Parsi food, um, you know, with with new, fresh eyes and with interest. And I think people also are looking beyond Dhansak and. patrani machi we always joke that you know all the non parsis only know patrani machi so when they come for a wedding or navjot that's what they want to eat but no self respecting parsi wants to eat that we want to eat the sasni machi you know but nobody really knows yeah. much about that so i feel like it's it's great now that you know the, uh, it's almost like a trend it's changing uh, and i'm very happy to see that yeah so i think this is a good point for us to just take a quick break and we'll just be right back
Hello, everyone, and we are in conversation with Roxanne and Maruk, and we're having a lovely, very. I'm starting to get slightly hungry now. So, <laughs> um, so Roxanne, tell us uh, what are your favorite uh, offbeat kind of places? Some of the places that you take people to when you do a Parsi food walk. Um, like my favorite is always to take people to PAC. I have had people who have lived in Grand Road. Maybe their whole life and still not discovered it because it's such a seriously. Like a, well, not in Grand Road, but they've lived in like Tardeo, Haji Ali, and if I mean a non-Parsi, a non-Parsi. Ah, okay, okay. Because I was like, such, which Parsi doesn't know PSC? <laughs> no, as in it's because it's such a kind of yeah. unassuming place. Yeah. Like you know, there's That's no the board, there's nothing there, uh, That's the so charm. there's no way of you discovering um, that yeah. here is where the best chicken patties are. So actually, also the you're mistaken. There is a board, but it just says Parsi Amrolia Committee. <laughs> Amelioration or Committee. I don't know what it says. <laughs> there should be something mentioned with food. Yeah. So yeah. nobody really knows. You just and it's just a counter. So <laughs> The counter always has like thirty people in front of it, so you can't even see what's inside. Yeah. And, and these very stern people—I mean, they take their food seriously. So if you stand there and you sort of dodder around, and be like, "Uh, can I have? Do you have?" I mean, they're all like, "Please, side next." <laughs> you know, come to us when you seriously want to eat. No, so PSC is a great one, but actually, just down the road um, is another small something similar, like a snack joint, which is called um, Belgam Ghee Depot. Uh, and uh, a lot of people call him Are Belgam Ghiwala and uh, it's run by a family and uh, Farok Farok Working Boxwala who's wonderful how cool is that surname by the way I know right <laughs> like that's that's part of the food walk right like <laughs> uh, we do have some pretty funky surnames mine included hmm. I've gotten a lot of grief for it over the years what but, does you know, your what does bamboot mean I think um, it's so bum. I think it was for like bum boats, which are like tiny little oh, boats. Okay. So maybe some ancestor built boats. But you know, we can't trace anything, and it's just a lovely <laughs> story. I like to tell. The truth is, I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> but um, yeah, no. So Farok is wonderful, and um, they do a plethora of uh, you know typical Parsi dishes. Mm. And I love places like this, like this. Um, sometimes even Paris Bakery. Uh, PAC oh, Paris Bakery has the best I mean biscuits. Paris is just like heaven for us yeah. I mean you know I, and, and also no one can understand why like it's Paris Bakery right? like, <laughs> a lot of people ask me like but shouldn't it be Parsi Bakery like you know because it's a Parsi thing and I'm like no it's um, yeah I mean Paris Parsi <laughs> yes, just switch the alphabets around it's no. the same thing we're royalty anyways we go to <laughs> France all the time <laughs> Yeah, so but I love places like this um, because I feel like one, it's exposure um, to all different kinds of food. Like I, I mean, for me, chapat is the greatest creation on the planet, <laughs> um, and close to that is a mutton cutlass, cutlass, like cutlass, lace, yeah. you know, like how we say it, not not your cutlets. Um, but I think places like that are fantastic because you get cheap food. Well, not cheap, but at least affordable yep. food. Um, you get a different variety and you get a sense of what Parsi food is apart from, you know, the handful of restaurants or caterers that you've heard of or you've been exposed to. Yep. And I mean this from a, for, for non-Parsis. I mean, for we we can do it at home or, you know, there's an aunt yeah. who will cook it or like I would call Maruk and be like, can you please make me food? But not everyone has access to that. Yep. So I think places like this are nice and I like to showcase and that. And he's also one of the very few places where sometimes, sometimes you'll get bheja cutlets. Oh, yeah, yeah. He yeah. makes damn good ones. Yeah. 
because otherwise finding beja cutlass is like is a very hard so for me um before i knew maruk um i would order mine from kurush kurush dalal hmm. who i think was yeah. on your show i think first episode with him he makes fantastic ones because i have a friend who's obsessed with beja cutlass so every time he comes to town he's like can you order them for me i was like fine <laughs> uh and i think they're gross so <laughs> yeah i, I can't <laughs> have them it's just it's too gelatinous yeah. in the mouth just, yeah no just the sight of it i mean my grandmother scarred me she used to cut a beja cutlet in half because she couldn't eat the whole thing and then she'd put the side that has like the brain in it <laughs> facing so every time i open the fridge as a sneaky child to like get a snack and be like yeah what is that <laughs> so i think it's just a it's just like this mm. memory thing i'm sure it tastes great but i find it gross mm. um so he does those as well and i think it's just you know places like that need to be showcased but i do have to say i i put a huge emphasis on irani cafes because mm. i'm so proud of them not like my family owns one or anything mm. but like just from a from being part of the community and what they stand for and the history behind it i think it needs all the fame and accolades yeah. it gets and whatever attention it gets it needs that yeah. uh, and especially from someone from the community like i want to show you different aspects and that is an important aspect and like you said there's such a like inherent part of bombay like it is. of of what absolutely. is the bombay culture you absolutely. know absolutely mm. it's shaped uh, so much of the city and i i think it's wonderful and it must be celebrated and they've got their own charm i mean i'm not saying that we need to go out and change them and paint it or something i'm just saying celebrated like let people know that i mean they're still really popular yeah i mean maybe not for you and me or people who i like you and i would go out to another restaurant at night but there are a lot of people that go to these families that yep. celebrate you know it's affordable which is hard in a city like bombay now things things get expensive especially food yeah. so i think it's great and it should be celebrated and maruk what about you um are there any favorite spots where uh, you would recommend listeners to go to eat parsi food aside from coming to your house of course so far i think a sasanian sasanian and yeah. uh, the berry pulao the uh, britannia britannia yeah i mean the britannia yeah yeah, yeah. okay Mostly. what about what about jimmy boy do you like jimmy boy i like see this is the thing when you cook on your own yeah, you you do do not like to step out yeah. so and especially when it comes to parsi food we get so territorial so i can see it on her face already she's just like why would i eat like why would i do that <laughs> yeah <laughs> why would i go to a parsi I restaurant i know a lot of people ask me that like um Lynn you know about going to soda about Lopnava like what can we order yeah. then I'm just like I have no clue like I will yeah. never go there out of yeah. choice like yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah I think that's a thing for us if um, I have to spend 2 3 hours why not to, to a different place yeah, yeah. to a I different cuisine for us when we yeah. like to go out we don't want to eat parsi food yeah. I feel like some communities like eating the same food like I see a lot of gujaratis like to go to swati snacks and they enjoy that hmm. but for us I feel like we make it at home so it's like when we go out we want to eat like continent I was just going to say ke I Chinese. let's go to have continental yeah. or, or if you or, yeah or if, yeah so we must address this chinese food thing right like what yes. is it with parsis and chinese food cuz i recently went to global fusion on march now oh. rose <laughs> it was so we decided we thought that we will not go to the bandra one cuz the bandra like a, one is like dadar parsi colony yeah me. i was just going to say the, a buffet i got to an asian buffet on a parsi festival is like a gambar <laughs> <laughs> it's a stampede because so we decided we will not 
to go to the Bandra one because there's too many Parsis there. We will go to the Worli one. <laughs> and there was like so many people there from like Tardeo and this. And I saw my old pediatrician who's like 82 years old. Yeah. My neighbors were there and another friend on Instagram was there. I don't know if you follow Carl. Yeah, yeah, he was like, there. Yeah. Big shout so we, out to him. Yes, yeah, so we, uh, we met for the first time at Global Fusion and it was just like, yeah. yeah. And if it's not Global Fusion, then it's Ling's. Right? Oh, like now that's is- sacred. Now that that we cannot make fun of. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think we like we love our Chinese food. We love our um, what we say continental, but mm-hmm. I think that's just European food. Um, we we like that, and there's a huge part uh, of the community that enjoys good, robust North Indian food. Yeah. But the point is that we like to go out and eat these things because we don't cook it, it at home. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Uh, mm. To ask a Parsi what their favorite Parsi restaurant is, is like my mm. aunt's house or my yeah. granny's cooking yeah. and but things I, like that. I still feel, I mean, like, yes, Irani cafes need to be celebrated for what they've done to the Bombay culture. Yeah. But when it comes to the food specifically, I would still prefer to go to a, someone's house to have Parsi food. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, right. Absolutely. I completely yeah. agree. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I have my favorites also. Like if I want curry chawal, I want to go to this person's house. And if I, have, <laughs> if I want palau, then I want to go to that person's yeah. house. Yeah. So um, Maruk, tell me, um, how important is sort of like, you know, we are in the age of social media and things like that. So how important is technology and social media when it comes to hosting these experiences and like finding the people to come for it? How do you typically find people to come for your experiences? Aside from when you work with the companies. Yeah. Definitely, the social media has played a very important role. Hmm. Otherwise, who would be coming to our house at least yeah. to yeah. eat? And so now the people come to know, okay, yeah, Maruk's kitchen is having a pop-up on Sundays. So definitely the Instagram and the Facebook pages have helped. Okay. And you yeah. share a lot. I mean, you're really I mean, pretty cool I'm, in that sense. Like yeah, she has yeah. lots of like Instagram yes, stories I about love her making akuri and this yeah. and that. Yeah. Yeah. And have you put up oh, like Maruk's kitchen on Google Maps or something like that? Not yet. I don't think so, so I have a funny story about that which is why I asked you so I had for the longest time was running a home kitchen as well yeah. and I had put Bavi bread on Google Maps and um, I forgot to take it off when I moved to my central kitchen <laughs> so we have used to get these like random people and my house is on the ground floor with okay. my bedroom uh, with, my bedroom always has the windows open so I would get these random people like peeping into my window and being like can I have dhansa can oh I my have <laughs> and my mother-in-law is like who are you why are you here <laughs> like either so it was hilarious um, which is why then I like had to totally quickly changed the address and then no one could find Bavi Bride on Google Maps. <laughs> I that's, that's scary. Yeah. But I mean, it's also fun in that sense that people think that it's totally... So I've also had a customer who didn't know that we were a restaurant. But they came over to my house and I was like, I don't have anything ready, but I can cook it for you in about yeah. half an hour if you want. And so they uh, parked their car in my car park and uh, we sent them food in plates. <laughs> and wow. they had like a picnic in their car and they had like dhansak and katas and so kawab cool. in their car. So it was like a drive through restaurant. <laughs> That's so cool. That's like what you would do at like a ice cream parlor, like bachelors or something. Yeah. But for Parsi food. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like food walks, cooking classes, they're all great. But you know, one of, at least this is something I've noticed maybe because I do this full time is one of the bigger negatives is that it can't be scaled, right? Like, you know, you can only do so many home dining experiences. You can yeah, only definitely. do like, there's eight weekends in a month. Most of your home dining experience, unless they're tourists, will be on a weekend. So you can only do about those many and you can only do that many food walks. So 
but do you feel that you would ever want to scale it or are you happy being um small and boutique and what are your thoughts on this um i think for me if the right collaboration because to scale up you need people hmm. you need a team so i feel like if i had the right team if i had the right backing then i'd be inclined to at least think about it hmm. but i am such a control freak and anyone who is close to me will know how how much i obsess and i get worked up and stressed out because i want everything yeah. to be absolutely perfect so if i'm not in control of that it's a nightmare for me because i don't know if the other person is going to put in as much of the effort or thought for me like i i feel like even now for this this tour that we're doing uh, we leave next week the first one i've launched is to south africa and everyone around me is like hey it's all done and it is done it's yeah, i mean course. everything is in place but i'm just overthinking things like okay when we land this is what we're going to do this is how i should tell everyone these Have are the questions you made a speech of what are you going to talk uh, almost <laughs> almost so so it goes down yeah. to there right yeah. uh, but for everyone else who's on the team is far more relaxed so i don't know if i'll be able to really let go and then especially when you curate something from scratch yep. when this is yours when you put your name to it i feel like it's a huge responsibility and i like i always say this with restaurant like i, I feel like if you become a franchisee it's sort of like the death of a loses brand loses its loses its charm i personally feel that like i feel like if you're doing something small on on in one place or if you're in one shop it's far better than having like 10 all over the country yeah. but that's me right so i don't know if i'm hesitant to it uh, i'm i'm just i just feel like everything has to be in place for me to consider then handing this over to someone else and i do think about that because you know while you say eight weekends uh, in a month or uh, how many food you can do plenty there's yeah. plenty that you can do and there's a lot of fun in that and it has to still remain fun so if it's going to be a stressed out thing yeah then maybe not so i don't know what about you what did you feel would you ever want to scale uh, maruk's kitchen right now i am more happy with my home dining also yeah but uh, i'm also thinking on the lines of curating the menu uh, put up a pop ups in the hotel okay yeah yeah so that's so that's it, the, that's the next big step yeah, for you yeah if it if it all comes up i'm quite uh, happy doing that so um just to wrap up one question that i always ask my guests which uh, you've already kind of answered <laughs> so we'll start with maruk so um maruk you know is dansak really your favorite food to eat if you had to have one last parsi dish before you died what would it no, be no 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 <laughs> <laughs> it will be my uh, fry fish and roti fry fish and roti and what about you oh uh close mine would be a prawn patia i'm obsessed with prawns uh, mm. and she makes these amazing tareli like fried prawns or lapis uh, <laughs> ka but um i love prawn patia and i feel like dhandar patio would be just fabulous and then i'd end with a chapat oh. and maybe like a side uh, mutton cutlet i don't know just like <laughs> it would many, be perfect too many the perfect meal <laughs> great so thank you so much roxan and thank you maruk for being on the show i've had Pleasure. a great time thank you so much this was fun are you sure we don't have more time <laughs> just you know keep at it keep having food but then we <laughs> yeah. can't have the food now so let's let's go eat <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, sure. thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks. Pleasure.